From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's June 18th, 2021. You're listening to the best poker cast on the internet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. I'm still waiting for my chocolates and flowers. Uh, yeah, it's you're going to get one of those edible arrangements because we're going healthy this year. Sorry. Oh, I love those. <laughs> hey, did you know that the headquarters of that place is located in my hometown? Is it really? Yeah, we used to have a bank up on this hill. It was called, it was on a, called Dime Savings Bank back in the day. and It looked like a castle. It was built out of... Like uh, these red bricks and everything, and then when that bank went away, as all banks did back then, uh, they moved in, and that's where their their headquarters were located. Right in my home, and my, my hometown is like nothing. It's like a small little. The only thing it's famous for is having Choate Rosemary Hall uh, in the town, Wallingford, Connecticut. But that's where they were located. They may have and moved Chris since Cassandra. then, but huh? And Chris Cassandra. Oh, and me. Yeah, of course. I'm the most famous person coming out of there, but. Um, yeah, yeah, edible arrangements. I expect one to land at my doorstep pretty soon, and I want to be home when it comes. There's nothing worse than having edible arrangements land at your doorstep and you haven't been there all day, and then you show up and you've got yeah, old fruit and melted chocolate all over your porch, you know. <laughs> but we're talking about, of course, our 16-year anniversary of the show, right? That's crazy. 16 years ago we started this show. I keep thinking it's 2004 when we started, but it was 2005. Yeah, yep, yep. yeah. And then our, our actual company was 13 years ago last week uh, when we left the Times and ventured out in the worst economy since the Depression to start a business. I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> so, so we went from the worst recession to the worst pandemic. That, that's, <laughs> that's the bookends of the company. That's right. That's exactly right. Genius. <laughs> anyway, happy anniversary, buddy. I don't yeah. think we'll make 17, but hey. Hey. I don't know. You didn't think we were going to make 16. Cause That's true. Kill us off four or five years ago. So. You keep dragging me, kicking and screaming into the next year somehow. I, I don't know. You know. We're starting to get emails from people saying, hey, I want to send you a hand of the week, but I'm sorry if it extends the business another <laughs> week, Chris. You know, it's hilarious. But I was thinking that if, uh, if somebody was born the day we started the yeah. business, they can drive now. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious here. Uh, we still have maybe five or six listeners from the beginning of the show, right? So Probably. I, I am curious if any of them have a uh, anti-up baby, as we'll call it now. <laughs> and picture up. And does that baby have an anti-up logo tattoo somewhere? Yes, <laughs> that'd be the the Quinella, I think. As that yeah, would be I don't think that. we have uh, anybody that's 16 with uh, an anti-up tattoo. But, uh, <laughs> We did have a young, uh, the couple that you ran into last week, right? Their kid, they, they was pretty young. He was like 18 or 19 or something. He was pretty young to get a tattoo, and he got one. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. He probably was the youngest one. Yeah, yeah easily. But uh, anyway, happy anniversary. Absolutely. I appreciate the uh, edible arrangement. <laughs> Hope he gets there. <laughs> what did I mistype the address? <laughs> <laughs> All right, the World Series of Poker has finalized the schedule for this fall series, which runs September 30th to November 23rd. Some highlights include the main event will have four starting flights November 4th through the 7th. 18 bracelet events will be televised, including at least 15 hours of the main event by new broadcast partner CBS Sports. On October 1st, a $500 event called the Reunion will have a $5 million guarantee requiring more than 10,000 entries to cover. Man. On October 10th, a $1,000 flip-and-go tournament will feature all players all in on the first hand with three cards, choosing two of them. 
Each table's winners automatically in the money, and the tournament will play out normally after that. On October 27th, 28th, the Senior Championship will have two starting flights for the first time. On October 31st, also known as Halloween, I think, oh, yeah. the Players' Championship will kick off with a ninth game added, no limit, deuce to seven, triple draw. On November single. 7th. Single. Yeah, sorry. Single yeah. draw. No limit, deuce to seven, single draw. Yeah, right, right, right. On November 17th, all Poker Hall of Fame members will get a free entry in the $1,979 Poker Hall of Fame Bounty event, which is open to anyone. Each of the Hall of Famers will have a bounty on their head equal to the year they were inducted. Cool. And on October 19th, I'm sorry, November 19th, the largest buy-in PLO event in WSOP history, $50,000 will be held. I'll be there. Yes. And automated clearinghouse or ACH has been added to the available payment options to buy into tournaments. Wow. So lots of good stuff to talk about here. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Uh, of course, I want to start with the reunion, which is aptly named, I guess, because they're considering it, you know, hey, this is a big deal that we're all getting back together playing some serious poker here. And so let's get as many people as possible to show up and uh, play for $5 million. So that's a great idea. And uh, I hope they make it. I think they'll have more than 10,000 entries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty ballsy to come up with a five million dollar guarantee. Yeah, that's huge. Five hundred dollar event. I mean, that's that's really in the price point of really every poker player who has a dream of playing a World Series. I think. Yeah. yeah. Five hundred dollars, I think, is. I mean, I'm sure they. I mean, some of the online events are probably a little bit cheaper, but and circuit events obviously are cheaper. But uh, five hundred dollars, if you had a dream to go out to Vegas and say you played in the World Series. Uh, that's that's the one you can start saving up for now and and easily be able to do. And if you get a good run of cards, that's going to be a sweet payout. payout I know. Can you imagine? Yeah, that's a seven figure uh, return on that five hundred dollar investment. So, unreal. Good luck to the winner, if unless it's me. Well, so. I did. I did want to ask you. I shame on me. I was so excited about our anniversary, and I was waiting for my my flowers and candy that I, I forgot to look into this more deeply, but. Can you tell me a little more about this flip and go? Like, do they get to see the flop before they choose the two of the three, or they have to choose two of the three and then discard? It's like pineapple. What the hell's going on here? Yeah, I don't. <clears throat> this is the first I've heard of it. Apparently, it's super popular on GG Poker, which we wouldn't know because we don't get GG Poker here in the states. So uh, that's the reason they added it. Um, but I'm looking at it, and you're right. I have some questions too. I'm assuming that you get dealt three cards pre-flop, and you discard one, and then they you flip them. Because that's what it, it's flipping go right. So right. I, that's that's my assumption. Um, what I don't get, and and obviously it's super popular according to press release on GD Poker. So people love this thing. I don't know. I, I mean, it, I I don't see poker players playing this, right? I know. <laughs> I see the guy at the blackjack table, the craps table, with roulette players saying, "All right, a thousand bucks, and I hope I uh, win." Um, and then play it out. I mean, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm overthinking. Maybe there's a psychology here of one. you play one hand, and you could be in the money. Yeah, that is kind of wild, but that's that's, that's right. the coin flip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now, obviously, you got to be nine people or eight people at the table to, to do that, but, but there's no skill. I guess there is skill in, in choosing which card to throw away. I'm like, I don't know necessarily how hard that would be. I mean, it's just like pineapple, I guess, except pineapple, you've seen the flop, right? So, um, well, no pineapple. You don't crazy pineapple. You see the flop and then right. discard. So no one plays regular pineapple. That's why it's not yeah. crazy. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I, I guess you'd have to like, decide if you have suited cards or not, whether they're, I mean, I, I think you'd have to stay suited, right? Well, if you got a pair, what do you do then? Do you stick with aces? Do you stick with 
you know, if you have ace, ace, king, just somehow rare that you get that amazing hand, but do you go with the ace, ace and just hope you can beat? Because, you know, we, when we used to teach poker one-on-one, even on the ship, you know, I used to always take, I used to love taking a pair of aces and then yep. dealing out 18 cards to, yep. you know, and then doing the whole board and show you how many times aces doesn't win. So there's yeah. some, definitely some thought process that has okay. to go in there. I would I would not keep a pair. I I would go for. In fact, I would if I have aces, I would break the aces up and go with one of the other cards and hope it's suited. Because you have to you would have to win. You have to beat the entire table, right? So yeah. a hand that has a potential of really having a big hand. Now, obviously, if you have aces, you could flop quads. So it's not like it's impossible to to flop a big hand with that. But I I, I would I I would be like looking for flush possibility because again, that's that's the the average winning hand, right? Yeah. I think it's a straight, actually, but straight or flush is what I'd be shooting for. So, yeah, I would definitely go in for connected cards, and suited suited connectors would be fantastic. That's that's what I would shoot for. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think if I were lucky enough to get king-king or ace-ace, I might actually go with it. And because, remember, the it's not like it's a random... You know I mean? It's It's... Uh, I don't know. I still think ace, ace, or king, king is the way to go. I think your odds still increase dramatically when you have a pair over not having a pair of random five cards being dealt. I, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd right, have let's to research it. When we get the Frankie gets this home game going, sometime soon, <laughs> we will do a couple of flip and go hands for fun, and we'll hold off the discards that we had, right? right. And then we can analyze how well it worked, because that would be interesting. And you could definitely play this as a cash game thing too, if you wanted to. Like you could just ante up five bucks each or something, and then winner takes okay. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then take uh, two dollars in the pot and put it for the Kentucky Derby. So <laughs> really get Chris worked up. For uh, that. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sure there's somebody's done a. If it's as popular as it sounds like, somebody's done the math already on this. I don't know if they posted the math. Um, you know, if it's so new, you probably wouldn't want to publish the math so you could, uh, you know, win. But. So yeah, so all right, so now now we just talked about how there's no strategy. <laughs> we just realized there's a ton of strategy in that first one. But, all right. But then you got to hold on and um, uh, and hope it hold uh, hope it holds holds up so you can finish out the tournament. So definitely interesting. So uh, a little bit a little carnival gameish for me, but that's all right. That's the World Series. There's 88 events. So you, they're not all for me. Right. 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 88. I know we didn't even really talk about that. That's incredible. Yeah, 88 bracelet events. Uh, yeah, I forgot to put that on there. Yeah, sorry. Crazy. Uh, um, it's kind of also crazy. This is the first year the seniors championship has two starting flights because that's always a big event. Yeah. So I, it's kind of weird that that's never happened before. I haven't even thought about it. Yeah, so. I agree. That's crazy. Um, and I'm still not old enough for that yet. So, <laughs> what is it? Fifty? Uh, I don't know if it's fifty or fifty-five. I think it's fifty. I think I'm old enough now. Yeah, if it's fifty, you'll, you'll be. Yeah, you'll be in there. That was my goal: was to retire from any up at fifty and play in it. But apparently, I can't do that. Because I'll be 51 by the time this one rolls around. <laughs> oh, man. And the Players' Championship adding that ninth game. Now that I think about it, it's kind of weird that that game wasn't in there. Because that's the game, like, all that the pros say. Yeah. It's, like, the one that separates the, the players from the yeah. uh, Dreamers, right? Yeah, that's the one they always wanted to win. When they said they, they when they were, when they were, like, getting interviewed, we always talk about, when we talked to, like, Jen Harmon when she won it and all that stuff, they always say, yeah, that's the game that the pros really covet. And that's odd that it wasn't in all this time. You're right. Crazy. Because that, that's really the only true stare you down poker game. I mean, you have zero information, really, in that game. Yeah. Yeah. 
and you have to like make a decision on what you're going to do there. So, yeah. um, definitely by far the most creative, and I really like this this Hall of Fame uh, event. Uh, won the 1979 buy-in, which is really clever. And then um, you know, whenever they got, and they're all bounties, and so you know, the 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 newer members of the Hall of Fame have more money put on their head, right? So, which I think is kind of interesting because um, you know, not that they're necessarily better because they're younger, but probably in the aggregate, that's probably the case, right? Some it's funny because you the, the the newer players or younger players or whatever they would be, they, you know, they probably still have their cognitive skills, so it would be hard to knock them out, so you're getting more money for that. But then you're like, I don't want to knock out the old guy because I'm going to get enough money, you know, which is hilarious because it's only a matter of $20. But um, it is interesting that they do. So who, who do you target? I guess you target the older guys, right, because they might not be as good as the newer guys. I mean, you have to be lucky enough to have one of them at your table, too. Remember, there's right. only, like, 40, I'm guessing off the top of my head, 40, probably, yeah. living. Yeah, 40, maybe. 10 times 2. So maybe, maybe there's yeah, 40, 50 guys. And they have to still be alive and still playing. So you're right, maybe 40. Yeah, yeah. The, the dead ones would be the easiest ones to pick off. That's probably who I would <laughs> blind them out. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, the chances, I mean, I mean one is a, a scratch off lottery ticket chance of getting one of these guys at your table, yeah. you know, at least initially. I mean, obviously, as the tournament goes on, if they, if they stay in and they feel to win those, you have a better chance. But um, Well, it's still, is it still a regular bounty tournament, though? And then those guys just happen to have bigger bounties on the I don't know. I don't, I, that wasn't my understanding, but it very well could be, for all I know. I think I that probably makes sense, because otherwise you're going to be, like, bummed. Yeah, I mean, you might not have a chance to play. Why are you even playing this event if there's only 40 guys and there's 5,000 people in the event? So I think it is a regular bounty event, but uh, I'd have to look into it. Too. I mean, you're still going to win a lot of money, too. It's no, just, I know. Get... It's just they call it a bounty event. I, I, I feel like it is, but maybe not. I mean, it's kind of like the uh, shooting stars at Bay 101 back in the day, right? So, I mean, they're, I don't think that was a bounty tournament. It was just bounties on the stars, but... I love that on the notes it corrected your thing to say poker a hall of family bounty event instead of hall of fame. <laughs> I'm fixing that now. Oh my god, that's what it I says mean. hall of family. I started thinking, oh, does that mean like Todd Brunson has a bounty on his head and <laughs> <laughs> every hall of famer spouse kids uh, coming out of the woodwork to play in this event. Well, yeah. So, in general, very excited that the series is back and uh, and the way it should be. Uh, obviously, it's not in the normal time frame, but that's the least of I think anybody's concerns. Yeah, so. absolutely. All right, uh, Harlan Miller, a retired North Dakota office supply store owner, was supposed to be in Montana where his niece was getting married. He said he quote had a feeling about a poker tournament and went to Vegas instead. He went on to win the Mid States Poker Tour main event at the Venetian for three hundred sixty seven thousand dollars and three hundred sixty seven. $1,801. Miller, who shared some of his score with Las Vegas homeless people, said his niece will be getting a much better present now, and that he probably wasn't missed at the ceremony since his 18 siblings were Holy cow. Oh, wow. That's, uh, I mean, if you're not tight with your niece, you know, whatever, but if she's like your favorite niece or you're her favorite uncle or something, geez, you know, seriously. I mean, I'm happy for the guy he won. Whatever. I mean, that's that is like one of those Hollywood type stories where you just had a feeling and then you, you know, you do it. Kept getting better from the headline because I saw the headline a couple days ago and then I, I didn't actually read the article to start doing the show notes and I'm like, so I'm like, all right, one, I want to figure out was the guy in the wedding because that would have been funny. <laughs> He's like, hey, sorry, I can't make it. Uh, can I get my uh, deposit on my tux back, please? 
Um, and then, then he's like, oh, I had a feeling. I mean, how many times have people said that? I mean, that, that's a gambling thing. That's not a poker thing, right? I'm exactly. Like, so, sorry, I'm going to go to Vegas instead. Have a, have a happy winning uh, uh, niece. Um, and then, uh, obviously, I mean, we knew about Headline 81, but then uh, uh, making it rain for homeless people as he walked around town, that's pretty cool. And then finding out that I'm like, so the whole time I was like, boy, this is really tough to explain. I mean, everybody's relationship with their relatives is different, right? So, right, right. But uh, it just, it, from my frame of reference, I mean, I can't imagine going to my niece and saying, hey, thanks for the invite. Uh, uh, decline. <laughs> Gonna go play <laughs> poker. It's like, I got a feeling. Um, but then to find out he has 18 siblings, I mean, how is that even possible? Wow. That's, that's That's a rough life for that mom. Well, I mean, it is North Dakota. <laughs> what else are you going to do there? Yeah, you're going to be inside a lot. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. What else are you going to do? Uh, one thing was weird. I, I was this guy. Did this guy have a New York tie because it was on the Daily News, and it says the headline said New York poker player skipped his wedding. So, oh yeah, I don't so, know. Maybe. I, don't know if this, I wonder if he's got a New York tie as well. And then, now that's a bigger deal. I mean, if you're going to fly from New York to Montana, it's a lot harder to fly there than it is to fly to Vegas. You know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, it's something else that he won that event, you know. I, I, sometimes I wonder if these stories are reverse engineered, you know. <laughs> reverse engineered. You know, like the guy won, and then he's like, oh, by the way, uh, I could have gone to my niece's wedding this weekend. But uh, And then he just says, I had a feeling, you know, you wonder if it's that way or not. Like, I want to see the, the interview with the guy before the tournament and see him say, I have a feeling about this tournament coming yeah. up, so I'm going to skip the wedding, you know. I, I don't know. Sometimes I just Everybody wonder. Everybody has a good story after they win, right? After, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, poker player Dennis uh, Bleeden, who we previously told you about, told you was convicted of embezzling $22 million from a digital marketing company, has been sentenced to 79 months in prison. The company Style Hall did not survive the embezzlement and closed in 2019. Good. I don't know what, what else to say about this, but good. You know, all right, so here, here's the only thing I'm going to say about the criminal justice system is this this, this whole white-collar crime thing. It does uh, bother me a little bit that this guy uh, stole $22 million, put an entire company out of business, probably put a lot of employees out of work, and gets 79 months. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's enough, but it was like six and a half, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's six and a half years. So, yeah. um, now I, I know make the argument that generally these white collar criminals are the ones that are going to fare worse in prison, you know, because <laughs> they're so, <laughs> they have a different lifestyle that, that that's now changed. But, um, and I'm sure, you know, he has to pay back some of those with all $17 he has left of it, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's the other thing I wondered about was how much money was left, how much got returned, if any, if any, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, it just doesn't seem fair to me, but, yeah, you know, hey. I mean, I'm glad he's in prison, but you're right. I think the sentence was uh, not exactly justice, but I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to describe what each person has their own version of what is justice, you know. So, But I agree with you. That does not seem long enough. Yeah. All right. All right. Here's this week update on poker room reopenings in Delaware. Delaware Park Casino has reopened its poker room. That gives us 253 reopened poker rooms. And remember to go to antiupmagazine.com slash reopen and send us updates at editor at antiupmagazine.com so we can include them in the weekly e-blast that you can uh, subscribe to on the homepage at antiupmagazine.com. Uh, any updates? Papes, the Antiup Fans Free Online Tournament Series on PokerStars Play Money site is available everywhere. Details how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. 
Games are on the 6th, 16th, and 26th every month and rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Up Fans group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands. Ask all the four questions and just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Up logo designs on merchandise at antiupmagazine.com slash shop. Buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of Up Magazine, Up PokerCast, or Up PokerTour logos. If you have a hand of the week, a listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast.antiupmagazine.com or post in the Up Fans group on Facebook. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast.antiupmagazine.com. They haven't won something from us in the past year. Just like we do with Call the Floor at Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. Kind of say each week, but sometimes we don't do it each week. I think we, <laughs> well, we, each week we have one. Huh? We try to do it each week. Uh, <laughs> it's our friend Ed Riddler. Uh, Riddler, he says, uh, you were talking about a poker room book where the guy was making suggestions to managers uh, how to run their rooms, and it reminded him of the first time uh, he said, my brother and I went to a casino for poker. We drove an hour for a $60 tournament, but there were only seven people signed up. The manager told us normally they drew about 200, but that weekend they had horse races, so the poker room was dead. Uh, they had one cash table playing, and they offered to refund the money to the nine of us, or we could play if we chose. Obviously, driving an hour, I wanted to play, and the other players were staying at the hotel and wanted to play as well. The manager then told us it was our game uh, and offered a payout structure of first and second, uh, or winner and take all. Uh, by a vote of seven to two, we voted to pay two. Now for the part that reminded me of your show. He said, a player in the cash game came over and said, make it winner take all and I'll play. <laughs> right before we were going to start, the manager explained that if he didn't want to play in the format we chose, then he didn't have to. He then began harassing us because we didn't have the gamble in us to take a chance on him taking our money. The <laughs> man- <laughs> Jerk. Uh, the manager instructed him to go back to his game or leave. We got down to three-handed and he stood behind another player and said, with cards like his, I would have taken all your money. That was the final straw, and he was removed from the poker room. Given that first experience, it took my brother and me a long time to be willing to go back to a casino because that player felt he could run everything better than the manager. On a side note, my brother finished fourth, I knocked him out, and I finished third after running trips into a straight and pocket tens into queens. The poker was fun. The obnoxious player was not. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is what I told him is that, I mean, this is a, a classic example of when you have a, a really good manager versus a not so good manager. Right. And we talked about this in the show before too. the managers that uh, say, you know, I listen to my players and uh, the ones that like, you know, um, try to accommodate every player end up don't not accommodating any player is kind of my thought. Right. So yeah, yeah. this particular guy, he was probably a regular um, the, the manager, it sounded like, uh, dealt with it correctly initially, but then allowed the guy to hang around and, and taunt people when he shouldn't have. But, uh, um, imagine the difference if the manager just like, Hey guys, all right, you guys took a vote and now we're going to switch it up because this guy went again, right? Uh, cause he's trying to make that player happy and then you end up making seven other players unhappy. So. That, that's kind of the lesson I'm taking out of this. And it's unfortunate. I mean, and this is a good example of, um, you know, Ed and his, uh, uh, what was his brother? Was yeah, it? yeah, his brother. And um, who, who who probably would have frequently, frequent, frequent, uh, frequented that poker room quite often. Right. Had they not had this uh, bad first experience. And um, that's that when you're talking about 
the bean counters that are trying to shut down poker rooms and put slot machines there. Those are the kind of that's the kind of beans that add up to make sure that doesn't happen. So yeah, and how ridiculous does this guy think? Does he really think that he's going to sway seven people to change their mind? You know, as Orwell. I mean, I guess it would be. Well, if he was three, so you need another two or three people to change their mind just because he was joining. You know, I mean, it didn't, it didn't make any sense. The guy was just probably drunk or obnoxious, and you know, it's just ridiculous. And I, of course, there's no way the poker room manager would have been like, "Oh, this guy wants to play, so now I'm, I'm gonna, you know, know your vote." You know, and that that just wasn't gonna happen. It's just he's right. I mean, there are obnoxious people in the world, and they just happen to be in poker rooms too. And yeah, you know, it surprised me too because a lot, I'm. I'm not intimidated in a poker room, but I certainly don't want to go to a table of people and piss them all off. You know what I mean? Because I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, somebody at that table can kick my ass, I'm sure. You know, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't walk up to a table and be like, oh, you're all just chicken. You know, and say, oh, yeah, let's go outside and see who's chicken. And then you're like, uh, sorry, you know, sorry, you can play your seven to two, you know, vote game, whatever, but. I don't know. Some people just have it in them to just be obnoxious and it doesn't matter to them. You know, I don't get yeah, it. I mean, to me, it's pretty clear that this is a guy who lives his life with no one telling him he's wrong, right? Um, yeah. Or people telling him wrong, he just doesn't care, so he just never learned anything different, right? So right, right. those kind of people you can't really deal with other than just ignoring them. Um, but the illogical part of his argument was they just had a vote of nine people, right? Yeah. And seven of them said they wanted to pay two. And then he jumps in, which would be an extra player that they'd have to knock out. And he thinks that they would change and play winner take all. Yeah. Uh, there's no. What because, uh, $60 minus the entry fee. Right, <laughs> exactly. And then dividing it. Well, I mean, it's winner take all, but still, it, yeah, it's ridiculous. Doesn't make any. I mean, it's just such an illogical uh, question to ask anyhow. It would be like, you know, uh, well, I can't even come up with something off the top of my head that, that makes sense right now, but uh, just, you know. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm sorry that Ed and his brother were so put off by it that, that it took a while to get back to one. I, I, I mean, it's yeah. just, just, I mean, it's like if you go to the, the grocery store and there's some obnoxious guy there trying to get into the 10 items line with 12 things, <laughs> you're not going to say, oh, he was yelling at the register and saying this is, and you're not going to not go back and eat. You know, you're going to get your food again. So to me, I'd have been like, ah, oh, that was a random thing. I'm, I'm still going back. You know, I'm, I'm not going to not go back because there's one guy, you know. And it's an hour drive, too. Right? That's, that, that's what would dissuade me more than... Yeah, than, I mean, yeah. yeah. So, but, but that's the kind of stuff is like, you know, if people aren't committed to something, it's very easy for them to decide that they don't need to go back, right? I mean, how many restaurants have you gone to and you probably caught them on a bad day? Uh, or got their worst server, or whatever it was, and it was an anomaly, but it just wasn't a good experience. And you're like, all right, I've got four million other restaurants <laughs> within a ten minute drive of my house. Why do I need to give a second chance to that one? Right. Exactly. So I mean, it's, that's the unfortunate thing about the the world now is that uh, that that thing, you know you know don't get a second chance to make a first impression actually is really really important these days. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was a problem here that this manager unfortunately just didn't uh, manage the situation well enough to keep keep Ed and his brother from coming back. So, Okay, we got a new O'Malley's move. Let's lift our spirits and take a listen. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. 
This week we've extended ourselves a bit and are playing in a 5-5 No Limit Hold'em home game. The buy-in is 1,000 and the game is six-handed. We sit with 1,200 up 200. The blinds post, the under-the-gun limps. This player is loose and passive. He's pretty much a calling station. He bought into the game for 1,000 and currently sits with 875. We're next to act and look down at the ace of diamonds, jack of diamonds. We make it $20 to go, which is a standard raise for the game. The button folds, the small blind calls, the big blind folds, and the under-the-gun calls. The pot is around $60, and the flop is the 10 of clubs, 8 of spades, 5 of hearts. The small blind and under-the-gun check to us. This is about as dry as it can get. I think we need to bet here. We make it $40 to go. The small blind folds, but the under-the-gun calls quickly. The pot is 140, and the turn is the deuce of hearts. Once again, the under-the-gun checks. We're going to make another play at this. We bet 100. Again, the under-the-gun calls. The pot is 340, and the river is the four of diamonds. The under-the-gun checks. So, are we triple-barreling here? What's the move? It's time for the VanceBokerTrain.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations a podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't want something from us in the past year, you get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Our old-time friend, Vic G, is back, Chris. Wow. A number of hands. We're not going to do them all in order like we've done before because we got so many other people sending us hands. But uh, but uh, we hear a lot, from, a lot more from Vic here cool. uh, in the coming weeks. So Cool. All right, so this particular hand, he's playing 1-2 No Limit Hold'em at his uh, local Florida poker room, seven-handed due to COVID-19. The button puts on the $5 straddle. He says he's the worst player at the table, so for him it's all about getting lucky. The small blind is the loosest player at the table and calls the f- extra $4. The big blind is a tight passive player and calls the extra $3. Under the gun folds, and we are next next to act from middle position with the eight of spades, eight of clubs. And he says we sit with about five fifty, and the cutoff, uh, and only the cutoff has us covered. Well, it's funny because we kind of know how Vic G plays, but we're going to analyze this hand as how we would play. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm never really very comfortable raising with eight, eight, just because this game is, this particular hand is going to play bigger than a normal one, two hand. You know, we have a straddle and callers and for us to force somebody out now with eight, eight probably isn't going to happen. So you're going to be playing a huge pot with a middling pair. It's just eights. So I'm tending to thinking about maybe you know set mining and then as it gets around the table with the betting if i know the person that if someone decides to raise like the the actual straddler in this case i might even pop it again to show that i trapped him uh because i don't believe him but generally when i have eight eight and it's sort of like a a big limping pot i'm looking to hit a set and win a big pot so i don't think i mean i, I think Vic was going to raise here but i'm just guessing uh, but I'm going to limp with it. Yeah, I, this, to me, this is a classic set mining here. But yeah, I think you're right. He's probably definitely going to raise here. The other reason that I, it, I, I mean, I'm almost always set mining with the aids here anyhow. But we have that um, straddler left to act after us, right? Yeah. So, and again, not always. Generally, when you're a straddler, you're going to raise it with with a wide range of hands. So, 
Uh, there's a fair to decent chance we're already going to face a raise with this hand anyhow. So, um, you know, if our raise convinced the Strahler not to re-raise, there's some psychology there that that would be a reason to raise. Um, but without knowing that right now, um, I'm not looking to play a big pot with this. I'm looking to set mine. So I'm going uh, to call. A little trivia for you. Do you know how many times in my career I've straddled willingly? <laughs> Zero. It's the same amount as me. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I honestly do not remember a straddle that I've ever done. Uh, right. There's the pressure of like the home game or like the, yeah, it's on, the man. last round, you know, and whatever. But in the actual casino, never. Uh, actually, I, I just realized I lied. There, there were a couple hands where everybody straddled. And so I got caught up in that. So Right. But that, that's not willingly. <laughs> Like, that's not you just making that of your own accord. Well, I have a choice. I could have not been the one guy that straddled, right? So I still have a choice. But yeah. it's not the same as, like, what you're saying here, where the one guy straddles, right? Right. No, I, with I, no I, pressure, right? I've never solo straddled. Yeah, exactly. Been. That's what I mean. Like, of your own volition, where you just said, oh, you know what? I feel like straddling. No. I've never done that. You've never done that. No. Yep. <laughs> and we named our company Annie Up, not Straddle. Hey, and we also haven't liked the uh, taunted players that are sit and go for not letting us uh, change the rules. Of the so. <laughs> exactly. Not saying those kind of players are exactly the same, but uh, yeah, those players are exactly the same. Uh, all right. So Ari said uh, we sit with about five fifty with only the cutoff head as was covered, and he says, uh, "Let me just say that it doesn't matter for up or down for the session for riding winning streak or if Bitcoin is over fifty k. Bitcoin's over fifty k now. Wow. Uh, none of that matters," he says. Uh, uh, the hijack is a tourist uh, down here to have a good time and figures why not give poker a try. After all, how different can it be from the home games he's played all his life? The cutoff is the only uh, other thinking player at the table who's been pretty playing solid poker and catching cards. Uh, we decided to set mine a toss in a five-hour ship. No oh, way. Wow. See, we're, we're a little victory rusty here. Wow. I think COVID's made him rusty. <laughs> he says, uh, but we expect the cutoff to raise with a wide range to punish all of us limpers. Uh, the tourist folds and the Cut off, cut off counts out $35 and slides it forward. The button, small blind, and big blind muck in quick succession, and the action is back on us. Okay, so if we knew this guy was going to do it, we probably knew he was going to do it because that's the way he plays, so that means it's less likely as a hand that's better than eights. So if Vic is feeling particularly Vic, he might pop it again, <laughs> make it like 105. So, uh, but me, I think I'm still set mining. So I'm probably just going to call. Yeah, I'm going to say probably the proper play here is to raise, um, to let the cutoff know, hey, yeah, we, we know what you're up to, but I've actually got a real hand. And, um, you know, depending on how um, uh, crazy they get, but he did describe him as the only other thinking player at the table. So um, I, I, I'm less likely to think that that's going to work there. So I, I'm probably just going to make the call here. Yeah, I think he's got two big cards. You know, I don't feel like, I mean, it, obviously you don't know. He, he could do this with any two cards. But it feels like it's two big cards, and he's like taking his chance to get all this free money, hoping we all fold out. And when we didn't fold out, now he knows oh, I'd have to hit my flop. If it comes low cards, I'm I'm going to be pretty uh, pretty powerful with this hand, I think. Well, I mean, the other argument to raise too is that this is the reason you straddle, right? You put that extra money in. I mean, the 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 extra what three dollars is not the big deal in the straddle. The the concern is that the straddler gets to act last and raise, right? So that that's why you do it. So, again, this is why I always say I never understand when people straddle and then don't raise. I mean, that's that's if you're straddling, you have to raise with any hand. That's really what you're trying to do. So, 
in that case, you know, if this is what this guy's doing, then then popping him here again is forcing him to play with an inferior hand or fold and pick up, uh, you know, a good 50, 60 bucks here, right? So, um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe in uh, more thought that uh, I would probably raise here. I, I I just don't have the stones to do that, and that's why I play limit poker. <laughs> I know that's why I don't. I don't. That's why I don't straddle. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Vic says we consider a three bet, but it would have to be sizable as even a three X raise would be one hundred and five dollars. Well, see, that's exactly what you're saying, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that may uh, have the cutoff calling as he has position on us, so maybe four to five X. This might also commit our stacks on any flop. I pause to recall that the cutoff making a similar bet an hour or so earlier when we where we three bet with pocket jacks, only to see him jam with pocket queens. That didn't turn out so well. So we decided to just call the extra 30 bucks. $77 in the pot. Uh, after the rake, we see a flop of six of hearts, seven of clubs, eight of hearts. And we are first to act. Well, this is sweet. I mean, top set. Of course, the guy could have, you know, straight and flush possibilities. But, yeah. I mean, this is a nice little flop for us. The thing is, now, is if we know how this guy plays then I'd like to know if this is the type of guy that once he takes control of a hand, he C-bets. If he does, I'm checking to him. If he doesn't, if he takes offense to someone betting into him, I want to bet into him. So I really need to know how this guy plays, if I can. If I don't, generally I'm checking and letting him bet and then raising. Just because I, I realize check-raise is like sort of an ABC kind of play here, but this is a really wet board, and if I know he's going to put money out, I'm going to let him do it. And if he's not going to put money out, then I'm going to put money out. So it just depends on what kind of player he is. So I have both scenarios covered. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I have to be convinced that he's going to bet the check here. If I'm not convinced that he's going to uh, bet, then then I have to bet here because there's just too many too many cards are going to come that are going to mess us up. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, here it says, since the cutoff took the uh, betting lead pre-flop, we instinctively check it over to him. Uh and he asks, what's the plan when he C-bets? Well, that's what we were expecting, I hope. So I would be raising. <clears throat> uh, he says, the cutoff plays with his chips a bit before tapping the table. This was the first time he didn't C-bet. All right, so this is our worry, right? This is yep. why we don't check here, because now we have to be really worried. Any cards that, that are right around the cards on the flop, then we have to worry about them walking into a straight. The heart comes. That sucks. A lot of a lot of stuff we're not going to want to see here, right? Yeah. Plus, if something over our card comes, then maybe he's now hit a set. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. So yep. we're we, we don't like this at all. We're hoping for a deuce. All right. With seventy seven dollars in the pot, the turn is the ace of hearts. So our board now is the six of hearts, seven of clubs, eight of hearts, ace of hearts. Ugh. Ugh. And uh, we are our first to move. All right. First so I don't think it's a flush. I think a guy who bets like this and plays like this is betting a flush. Plus, he's you know, I mean, to check behind is is. Sometimes it's fishy, but in this case, I feel like if this guy had a hand, he'd want to protect this hand. He didn't. Does that mean he's either made a straight or he is weary of us? He knows how well we play and he thinks we're trapping him. So, again, now I think we have to come alive. I realize that the ace of hearts could hit him and then you check to him and he's going to definitely bet. But at the same time, that's three hearts on the board. I don't think he has a flush. I think he would have bet a flush, like I said. I don't think he has a straight. I think he would have bet a straight draw. So I feel like uh, I feel like if he has the ace and we're betting into him, he might raise us. So I'm going to bet into this guy, and I'm going to bet like 50 bucks. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he, he 
didn't bet for the first time when he should have been C betting um, really has got me curious. Um, I mean, there's lots of things to be happening here. I mean, obviously Vic is a really good player. This player has been described as a thinking player, so he knows Vic's a good player, right? So mm-hmm. I think he's probably worried that that we flop big like we did, right? So uh, we can't play uh, coy anymore. I think we gotta we gotta put the bet out, and you know, we'll see. I mean, he could pop us here with a naked heart, just uh, trying to push us off of this, but that. Actually, I think the ace is kind of an action killer for us, I think. So, um, but so that's one more reason to bet. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, so Vic says uh, this completes the front door flush, but the ace either uh, hits his hand or it's a scared card. Ah, that's what he said. Yep. Um, uh, he says, we like this card. Uh, he raised big preflop, so an ace is certainly in this range. He's also a thinking player, knows that I may use the ace as a scared card and bet. Uh, we decide on the same $35 bet, and he quickly calls. Okay. Well, then that's not bad. I, I don't. I don't feel like it's he's got a made hand already, but it could be. The quick call usually means, okay, I got a backup or or something. Um, it could mean that they already have a hand, but if he had like a baby flush, he'd want to protect it. So a quick call means he could have already have a pretty good flush, or it could be that he's drawing with like the king king with the king of hearts or something. So you don't know. There's a lot of scenarios for a quick call. Um, I'm not exactly happy with the call. But I don't think I'm totally scared yet because I still have outs to a boat and quads. So um, I'm just going to take it to the river and see what happens. Yeah, you're right. There is some danger that the quick call is a made hand that has his beat. But more likely, it's a, it's a draw. So, you know, he's got a five. He's got a nine. Uh, he's got a, you know, one heart. Um, that, that's more likely in my, in my opinion. So we'll yeah. have to see what happens here on the river. But, uh, but I, I feel pretty good right now pending what that river card is. Okay. All right, with a pot of $147, the river is the queen of clubs, making the final board six of hearts, seven of clubs, eight of hearts, ace of hearts, queen of clubs. We are first to act with 480 left in our stack, and uh, our villain has us covered. I think I'm going to bet 50 bucks. Uh, I think uh, maybe he has ace-queen. He's just made two pair. Uh, the quick call would say to me that he could have had the queen of hearts in his hand, ace-queen, queen of hearts, two pair. Uh, I feel like we're going to get some good money out of this. I don't know. I'm putting myself out there. I have no idea. But but really, if he had an overpair, he would have bet that flop. If he had ace-queen with, like, the queen of hearts, then, you know, he, he might have done what he had done before, check, check. But still, I, I don't understand why he wouldn't bet, you know, just a C-bet. So that was a little fishy early on. The turn was just a call... So it seems like he wasn't afraid of us hitting a fourth heart. So I feel like I'm a little worried here, but I still feel like I got a bet. I mean, you could check in for pot control and just call whatever he bets as long as it's reasonable. But yeah. three-eighths, I don't think I'm going anywhere three-eighths. I don't care how wet the board is. It's not like he's got Broadway. I don't think he has 9-10. He could have 9-10, but wouldn't he still want to see bet that to make it look like so it just seems like he's not protecting his hand as well as he would with a straight. And yeah, again, that made straight. There's no reason not to bet that flop. Right, exactly, especially with the way he took control of the hand. So I don't know. I think I'm just going to – I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll check call. Um, I don't think he's going to go crazy and put us all in for a $147 pot. He's a thinking player. Maybe he would. Um, but we looks like we checked and then tried to steal it, and then now if we chicken out and check – 
he might just value bet because he thinks he has a hand that now that we were just trying to bluff him and then we can call it comfortably if the guy thinks that we have a hand and he's going to try to and he has a big hand that we're going to call with then he might try to overbet but maybe i check call i don't know let me think yeah, here's here's my argument for check calling here is uh, maybe I'll end up with egg in my face here, but I really think we have the best hand here. Yeah. So so if I believe I have the best hand here, it's all about how to get the most value out of this hand, right? So uh, the traditional way would be like, yeah, that $50 value bet and hope that he calls light and we get the 50 bucks out of him, right? Um, you know, then there's that other new school way of betting really big, uh, like a hundred or even the pot to try to make it look like we're stealing the pot and have them call light. And then we get 150 out of them instead of 50, uh, both plausible. Um, the, the other one though, is to check here and let him bluff at it. Um, and either, you know, obviously if it's a sizable bet, we can call if it's not, then we could raise if we wanted to. But, uh, I, I think on balance, I, I think I'm going to get more value by checking here and letting him bluff at me. Please tell me you did the air quotes when you said new school. New school? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I think, we're gonna, I think I'm going to change my mind and I'm going to check too. I think I'm going to check as well and then let him bet whatever he wants. And if it's something crazy, then I have to analyze it. I know he's a thinking player, but let's check behind. See, I'll check and see what happens behind us. Yeah. And I will say I certainly am not opposed to a bet here as well too. I just think based on where I feel we are here, uh, I'm going to get more money out of this hand by checking and him bluff. But. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, Vic says, if we're not already beat, how much can we bet and hope to get called by a worse hand? If he raises, what can we do? In other words, what's the plan? I don't think his range includes any straights as he would have continued on the flop. I think we can also rule out flushes except the nut flush as he would have raised my turn bet to protect against a fourth heart or the board pairing. I think we can also rule out queen, uh, queen, queen as well as pocket aces. So we should definitely have the best hand unless he f holds the nut flush. Now it's a matter of extracting the most value, as I don't think we can induce a bluff. Wow, look at him all in the same first yeah. time ever on the same. Except he's, except he's going to bet, though. He's going to bet. That's the difference. Uh, we decide on $120. Wow. After, a little, after very little thought to villain calls, we table our hand. He picks up his cards, looks, uh, with, looks at the board with melancholy thoughts of what might have been and folds. Vic says it's good to be back in action. Oh man, again! So he, he, he oh, that sucks. I, I would say he hit, he hit the ace, or he made aces up, and that's why he called 120. He's not calling 120 with kings, and so I think he made aces up, and that's why he called. He was afraid it was a wet board, really wet board, and I think the guy didn't want to raise that. I tell you what, that's some big ass bet there because. Generally, you're betting value at the end, 130, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we said. That's the, uh, air quotes again, new school way of, you know, extracting value is betting big with a made hand and yeah. in terms of making it look like you're bluffing. And so, I mean, and, and it obviously worked here, right? I mean, he, he didn't have his beat, and it's hard to imagine he had, like, a set of sevens or a set of sixes. So you're probably right. It was probably, you know, I don't know. Probably ace queen is the only thing that really makes sense at this point because yeah, yeah. he would bet that flop with any piece of it, right? So I don't, I don't know. But, right, uh, if he had like ace eight, he would have. Yeah. You know, if he had the case eight, he would have bet to protect it. If he had ace seven, he would have probably bet something to see what Vic was going to do. The fact that he checked behind means that he had a naked ace queen 
or even an ace-king. And then when the turn came, we bet out, and he just called. That was the interesting thing, though. Like, if you have ace-queen there, or ace-king, why aren't you betting more on the turn? Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe he's maybe he's still skeptical of what we are doing. I don't know. But, yeah, it feels like he made aces or aces up. 120 bucks. it's got to be a decent hand to call that much. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it has to, it has to be a hand, obviously. You're not going to call with uh, without a hand. Right, right. right. Um. But he had to feel like yeah we were we were stealing that, trying to steal that pot which again it, it works it works in this case I mean it works a lot of times so um, and when it does work I mean that's that's almost three times as much value as if you would have bet the smaller amount so yeah, yeah. it it only has so it's kind of like that li- limit bet right you only have to be wrong uh, or right once every ten hands to make it worthwhile with the pots that are that big so yeah yeah. Definitely an interesting way of playing going forward. Now, what I'm curious about is, uh, if we checked, he I think he definitely would have bet, right? Yeah. So, yep. and I wonder if he would have bet uh, slightly more than 120. So that that's the question we don't know. So we're very happy we won this. We're very happy that we got 120 on the river, which most players probably wouldn't have gotten. But my uh, lingering question is whether we would have got like another 27 bucks out of this guy. Yeah, like let's say you you make it. 50 to go, which is generally what you would bet on the river is usually a third to half the pot. And then this guy now makes it 150, you know, or I mean, or you don't bet at all. I mean, cause you check first and the guy makes it 50 and you make it 150. He probably calls that, you know what I mean? So, cause that's probably what you would do. If he bets 50, which is what he normally would bet, you make it 150. Now you've got extra money out of another 30 bucks or so. Cause you know, he's going to call. Maybe not. Maybe he's scared when you raise him. I don't know, but he called 120. So you'd be probably willing to call one fifty, you know, another hundred after button fifty. So, I think if you check, you might make more money there. But I tell you what, I I never would have bet one one whatever it was on the yeah. end there one twenty. It, it would be close. It'd be close. I mean, I, I was not expecting him to call the one twenty. So I mean, really, we we're, we're we're haggling over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dollars. That's but, true. It, 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 you know, we're we're here talking about hands, right? So, uh, <laughs> right? so great to have Vic G back in the house, though, isn't it? Good to have you back, yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm Chris Casenza. I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.